Today, though, we're going to start a, a brand new series, a new teaching series uh, called In God We uh, trust and uh, and it's in God we trust. A lot of times we like to say that phrase and we say it kind of cynically right now because we're like, oh, if we would just trust God as a nation and, we, and all that sort of thing. And and, and we yes, absolutely, we definitely wanted that. But there's a personal element to that uh, that we want to start to apply over the next three to four weeks. The next four weeks, we're going to be chatting through this, and that's really in the specific area of our uh, of our money, of our money. And so. Every, every year, just about every year, we, we uh, go through a, a quick little series just about our relationship with our money, we, just because it's important that we keep that in check, that we, that we have a healthy view of our finances and of our, uh, of our resources. It's important that we, that we are pursuing that according to uh, the way of Jesus. And, and so, but many times, here's, here's what happens. Well, like, I just wish the church just wouldn't talk about money, right? There's really the big three. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about well, we're a church, so we kind of get past that. We get grandfathered into that one, right? Can you let me talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, it's probably a good idea that I talk about that one. Politics, you know, that's I try to be an equal opportunity offender, both sides. I try to get some red jabs in there, some blue jabs in there every once in a while. That one's not funny because that one is hard, right? <laughs> it's difficult. I can tell right now. No one's laughing. Um, and then, but then, but then, in our money as well, we're like, man, you know, have, have have you ever had a kid, or maybe one of your nephews or nieces, or someone that you've been around, someone to be like, it's just just blurt out, hey, how much money do you make? Right? Have you ever been in that awkward, completely like just you know awkward moment? It just it's just so terrible. You're like, God, no, don't say that. And uh, it, but it's that moment, you're like, don't talk about my. Money, but you know what's so funny about that is is that Jesus talks about money a lot. Uh, in fact, 25% of the scriptures, um, about 20, about 2,000 verses or so, talk about money. He's got like 2,000 little pieces of wisdom that talk about it. You know what? You know the the concept of heaven and the the, and the theology of heaven that we have when it comes to the scriptures. Um, only 500 verses. Only 500 verses that talk about you know faith. Just the concept of building our faith. 500 verses. But there's over 2,000 that Jesus talks about money. Because, so he talks about it. You know, and the more and more you talk about it, the less and less weird it becomes, right? Like just, if you start talking about it, you own it. I don't know if you've ever been in this moment where, where like you, you're not sure how your money's doing and you like want to open the app, but you're like, uh, have you been there? Just me? That's cool. Totally okay. We're like, I was expecting like $200 more in there. What happened? I don't know. I don't get it. You know, it's like the, the one, but, but the more and more you're intentional, the more and more you talk about it, the more and more normal it becomes. This is just a normal part of our life. In fact, Jesus wants to be a part of that. And so, so this is the thing. Jesus is, is bringing upon his, he's, he's, he's bringing heaven to earth through people, it's through the way that we live and through the way that we work and the interact and through our relationships, the way that we interact with people. He's bringing his, his, his kingdom to reign on earth through us. And it's even, he even gives us resources to do that. He gives us money and time and, and, and gives, us, gives us with these things in order to help bring his kingdom to earth. And so we have to be able to have the right relationship with our money um, in, order to, in order to see that. Now, here's the thing. You always say, like, well, the, the church must be doing a little bad. You know, pastor's bringing out his money series. You know, we need to up giving a little bit, right? And in fact, that's not the case at all. I, I always try to start out this series by trying to, you know, kind of disarm everyone's angst and anxiety, saying, hey, man, look, I don't need a new car, right? I'm good. I got it. I don't need a car. I'm not trying to put a building on the front lawn. 
I'm not trying to do that, so I don't need, I don't need your money for that. In fact, I, I don't want anything from you at all. What I want, though, is something for you. It, because here's the thing. If Jesus designed us to live a certain way, if we live that way, the scriptures teach us that we get joy and we live a life that's full. Even, even, if, even if you might have an awesome life, if Jesus isn't the center of that, you don't have the joy that you were created for. And so he, like he, he just wants that for you. And so what we do is we want to teach that to you because we want the same thing for you. So in fact, I, I don't want anything from you at all. I just want something for you because when we have the right relationship with our money, we'll be able to see the joy that God created us for that. And so um, if you pull out your uh, Bibles on the, on the seats, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. I think I messed up on the, yeah, I did. I messed up on the slide. It's not Matthew 16. It's Matthew 6. It's page number 803. Excuse me, page number 803. We're going to be there uh, for, uh, we're going to just stop there. I'm actually going to talk about a lot of verses, but that's the longer one, so I want you to go there. And uh, hey, if you're new, that's our gift to you. Uh, you can take that, especially if you don't have one. Um, and if you are here every week, uh, that's just for you to know that I'm not making stuff up in my office and wanting to teach you weird things. All right, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Um, so we're talking about, so in God we trust, in God we trust, the first step, the first step to trusting God with our money, and actually the right relationship with our money, has nothing to do with a budget. It doesn't start with a budget, but it starts with trust. And so the first step to, to trusting God with our finances is to remove ourselves from it. To say, okay, I need to pull my emotion out of it. Pull the, I need to look at this objectively and, and understand why I have money. Understand why I have these. I need to move back, have a 50,000 foot view and say, okay, God, what do, you want, what do you want me to do with the money that you've given me? And so, again, the, the first pushback on this, though, is always, well, let's not talk about it. And so today what I want to do is give you a few reasons why we need to talk about it as a church, why you need to be talking about it in your marriage, why we need to be talking about it to yourself. Um, and, and, and of it, don't talk to yourself in public, though. That's weird. But, but talk, you know, think about it. Be intentional about it. You want to step into that because it's good and right, because our relationship with money doesn't start with a budget. It starts with trust. And we need to talk about it so that we can build our trust. Um, in that. So, hey, so number one, the first reason why we need to talk about our money is this, because you think about money every single day, or at least you, you, you might, might be doing that. But I think most of us, if we're honest today, we just think about it all the time. And if we don't have the right definitions or the right terminology or just the right relationship with our money, we're going to be thinking about it, and it's going to cause angst. It's going to cause anxiety. What Jesus is inviting us to always is to take the load off and trust him, let him continue to build us up. And so he wants to take the load off in that. Um, but but we, we really want, we, we think, and we, we think about money every single day. And here's the thing is many of us, our relationship with our money is, is we have it wrapped up in our, in our arms, right? All right, we got this. We got this. But the more and more we try to wrap our, our arms around it, the more and more we try to have control over it, that we, sometimes we feel like just the less in control we are, right? Like, do you ever, like, man, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel with my money. Have you ever been there? Just me. Okay, I've got this. I, I got this. I'll hold this all down with the honesty this morning, right? All right this is it. I, me, I do. 
like, gosh, I can't, I've, like, there are seasons in my life where I feel like I can't get ahead at all. Like, and, and then when I do, my car needs a thermostat housing, right? Like, what, when? I didn't even know cars had thermostat housings, and apparently we need to do that. And, and so, like, you just feel like the, the more and more control we are, we try to be in control, the less and less we actually are. And this is why Colossians 1 says this about Jesus. Um, he says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything and he, what? Holds all creation together. And so in your relationship with money, there's only one person who can hold it all together. And so you have a decision to make today. Is that going to be me or is that going to be Jesus? We have that decision to make today. Because if you're like me, which some of you I know are, you just feel like you're on a hamster wheel, you can't get ahead. And I might just submit to you, the more and more I feel like I am in control of my money, the more and more it actually is less and less in control. And so I feel like, oh God, just struggle with that. So I gotta, I gotta, so I gotta learn what Jesus teaches about money in order for me to understand that he holds it all together. That he can hold every part of my, like we have no problem believing the verses about heaven, right? Come on, can I get an amen? We wanna, we wanna be with Jesus when we die and we, we trust that our family members are, we have loved that. But then when we get to the, the practical like meat of, of trusting God with this area of our life, we just struggle. We struggle. And I would say, if, if Jesus isn't over this one, then you're going to struggle letting him be over every other one. This one is so challenging because it comes down to, it's, it's, it's rubber meat in the road. Rubber meat in the road. I can give you my time. I can give you an hour in the morning. I can give you, I can give you some time on the weekends. But he's saying right here, is this, is this even, even this one? Is Jesus Lord over this area? And I would say, there's only one person who can hold your finances together, and that's Jesus. And so the first reason we need to talk about it is because we need to understand that we, we think about it all the time, and his invitation to us is to let him be Lord. Let be trust him with it. And when we, when we line our finances up allow, according to what Jesus teaches, it's going to be the most in control than you've ever Imagine, even for some of you right now, you feel like your finances are in control. You feel like you, have, you don't think about it often because you're so good at it. I would say, even you might be interested to see how much more you'll feel like your finances are together when you trust Jesus' way of doing them. And so number one, the, the first way we do it, the first way we do it is, is we, we think about it, every, we, talk, we need to talk about it because we think about it every single day. The second reason we, we need to talk about money is because the biggest competitor for our heart is money. The biggest competitor, and this is where Matthew 6 comes into play. Take out your scriptures and follow along here. Matthew 6 verse 19 says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is 
is no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, verse 22 and 23 there, that's a, that's a first century Jewish kind of saying, if your eye is good. It doesn't mean um, if, you're, like, if you're living right and you're moral, and you, like, that's when your whole body is filled with light. It's a saying, if your eye is good, it actually means whether or not you are a generous or a stingy person. But Jesus is saying, hey, if your eye is good, then your whole body will be filled with light. When, when you're, when you're open-handed with your money and, you, and, you're, and you're living the way that Jesus teaches you to live, you'll realize, man, my, I feel awesome about every other area of my life. It's weird how incredible, even if you just kind of start small. Like, it's amazing to see how much all the other areas of your life begin to just feel like it's full of life. Because this one, you think about it every single day, it's a part of your, it's like, it's like ambient music in your life. Man, when, you, when this is at rest because Jesus holds it together, it's like your eye is good and your body's full of life. But he's saying if your eye is bad, if your eye is bad, meaning you're just, you're just literally, you're, you're, you're holding on to it, you're stingy. It's kind of like that, that uh, you know, like you know, someone's like hovering over a bowl of ice cream or something. Get off my, you know, just, no, just me too, okay, on that one. Um, <laughs> like, no kids, you can't have any, leave me alone. Like finishing your ice cream in the car, right? I know you do it. I know you do that. <laughs> and so he's saying, he's saying it's kind of like your whole life is full of light if, if this area of your life is together. And he's saying you can't, you can't serve both God and money. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus does this very little. He never elevates many, he doesn't elevate many things to the level of him. And he does it with money because he knows how, how interactive this is for our life and how much of a master it can be. And the only way I can illustrate, and this illustration is going to kill today, um, it, the only way I can illustrate you can't serve both God and money is this one right here, is this slide that pops up. Like, you can't, like, you can't serve one. Like, it's, it's like, no. Like, you either love one and no matter how good the other one is doing, right, or how bad you're doing, you can't love the other, right? Right? No, it's like, it's I love the Red Sox and anyone who beats the Yankees, right? That's how that works. Anyone who's playing the Yankees, that's who I like. You know, the Dodgers, all right, great. Well, we're going to, but you, you can't serve both God and money. He said, you, you just can't, you got to pick one. You got to pick one. And you know what? That, that's, that's okay. When we come here in a kind of our pious presentation of ourselves, we'll be like, oh yeah, I serve God. I serve God. But you know what? This decision matters much more than Sunday morning at nine in the morning. It's Tuesday at 2 when your bill comes in. It's Tuesday at 2. Okay, God. It's, it's okay, how do, we, how do we do this? It's when you're sitting together with your spouse on a Sunday evening or whenever you do this stuff, you're saying, how, how, are, how is our money going to look today? How is our money, what's our money going to look like? And that's what we're going to chat about the next few weeks is, is how do we do this in a real practical manner? How do we do this in a, how do we, how do we let this decision move past Sunday and into our life because just the biggest competitor for your heart is not anything else it's it's your money now here's the thing i always used to say this but like man the church just wants my money right have you ever said that in your in your life right like the church just wants my money again don't don't raise your hand on that one that's that's just stay keep that down i have i've said that i've there are many times i'm a pastor and and, and uh, i was a part of a denomination at one point uh, that where I needed to, to give my full tithe over the denomination, and I felt like it was another bill. There was no spiritual interaction with my money at that moment. 
I was just like, oh, that's just another bill. And because, you know, and any time that anyone talked about it, I was like, oh, you guys are just so, I used to judge them and say they were judging me. <laughs> I'm like, you guys just, all, all you do is talk about money. All you do is talk about money. But you know what? Then I realized this. I was like 25, 26, you know, and, and I'm realizing that this, that, that, that when you go to Target, what do they want? Do they care about your heart at all? When you go to that cashier, are they kind of like, hey, how's, how's your family life doing? Like, are you eating together? Are you eating dinner together often, three, four times? No. What do they want? They want money. When you go to buy like the latest craft beer or wine, what do they want? They want your money. When you go to Starbucks or when you go to Dunkin', right? How many just have a revolving charge on your Dunkin' app? Audit, don't you remember? Let's keep it quiet. We don't want to confess our sin in public, right? Like we just have it auto replenishes on my app, right? What do they want? I just want your money. But here's the thing: we do not complain about what our heart is with. We will not complain about what our heart is connected to, and that's what Jesus is trying to teach in Matthew six. We won't complain about it. Because your heart is there. And so if Jesus owns my money, if Jesus, he's the one that's given everything to me, then I'm, I'm going I'm to be joyful about it, and it's going to release me to be a part of it. And that's what, again, that's what we're going to teach in this series, is how do, I, how do I actually become joyful about giving? How do I become joyful about worshiping God? How do I become joyful about ordering my money according to what Jesus says? How do, how do I become joyful about it? Because when we're free in him, when we are released in him, and our, our eye is good and our life is balanced, we will see that this is actually a good and right thing. So, the second reason we need it is because it's the biggest competitor for your heart. Number three, we need to learn how to be rich. We need to learn how to be rich. And you're like, Pastor, I'm leaving this church because you are obviously disconnected from my life. Can I get an amen, right? Like, yeah, well, I'm not rich. I'm not rich at all. But again, this is what Paul teaches Timothy when he's leading the church in Ephesus. In Ephesus, this is one big thing. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Again, it's, here it is. It's a trust issue. It's not a budget issue. It's a trust issue. It starts way before you ever budget, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others, and you're like, okay, that's great. If I was rich, I would do that, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's actually a website. This is like the don't go here. This, is, this will ruin your day. Do it when you're feeling like, you know, just a little bit better. Globalrichlist.com, right? Just go here. And then type in the amount of money that you make, right? And they'll actually give you a ranking about where you are in the world, right? And, and it's actually in, in, in the United States of America where we are the top 1% and 2% of the entire world. And so whether or not you feel like that, it's true. The amount of money that you make dwarfs the rest of the world, primarily living on 2 and $3 a day. Some people make 39 cents an hour for their jobs. And we're making sometimes 30 40 $50 an hour to do some of the work that we do. We have to learn how to be rich. We need to learn how to be rich. Again, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, but many times it's not about the amount of money that makes us feel rich, it's the amount of margin that makes us feel rich. Now I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm not going to get too excited right now, but we're going to get there in a couple of weeks. 
But sometimes it's not about the amount of money, it's about the margin that leads in that. And so you want to go there when you're feeling a little bit better, like when you're in a good mood, all right? Then we can interact with that. But here's the thing. Here's what I believe about our money problems in the United States, that many of our money problems aren't money problems. They're first world problems. They're first world problems. How many hashtag first world problems do we got going on, right? Have you ever noticed yourself complaining about things that like no one in the rest of this world would even just even think about complaining about? Like at five years ago, there was only, five, six years ago, there was only one type of network for our cell phones. That was 3G. Do you remember how slow 3G was? We have NASA in our pockets right now and we complain when websites don't load, right? Back in 2001, we were still rotarying that sucker, man. Like we were still like, all right, come on. You know, wait, you know. But we, in the last 10 years, we've seen this incredible thing. We complain about When your Starbucks drink comes out different, Amen. I got a sister. I got a sister preaching up in here, waving the hanky at me here. When the Starbucks drink comes out, that's a first world problem. When, we, when we're complaining, like, all right, do I, do I, what level of cable should I buy? Should I buy the $225 or like all that I can get cable package? Or are we cutting the cord and we're trying to be frugal about that? It's their first world problems. Man, you, you, show up at, like, you're like, you show up to Target and you're like, man, they don't have what I need. Like, I can go online. Like, they, they, there's all these different ways that we bump into these. It, when we're ordering our finances and we're actually having conversations about things that, man, people are like, I don't even know. I, like, I don't even know what I got here. And so we need to learn how to be rich because we are, whether you're not, you know it, you are in the top one, two percent of the entire world. And so we have to learn how, we need to talk about this over the next few weeks so that we can actually do this. Number four, the reason we need to talk about money is that the enemy would rather have us not talk about it. And so the, there's, there's a real enemy at work in the world named Satan. And he's, he's trying to get things really trying to damper things down so that you don't grow in, in the Lord. And he would rather have you not talk about it. You know why? Because over 80% of like, divorces happen because of this reason right here. Because of finances. I mean, knock out, drag out fights, right? Like just totally, because what you're doing is you are struggling with how we should handle, or like you're, you're, you're interacting with the priorities of your money. And so it's crucial that you do them, to, you, buy it, you buy into something that you both submit to. That you both submit to. And what is that? It's what Jesus teaches. It's what Jesus teaches. And that's what we're going to talk about the next couple of three weeks here. Is okay, uh, like I, I want to solve this issue in my marriage. Like it's not a tension. I don't want this to even be a tension. I want us to submit to one set of teachings, not one person, not just one, the husband or the wife, because that's sometimes what happens in all of these tensions. You're like, get out of my face, right? It's a lot easier for me to do this by myself. I'll handle it. And we sometimes, we, we have really weighed out th- things in, in our, th- no, but we both together, worshiping Jesus with all of our finances, submit to a set of teachings that we can say, okay, God, this is the best way to glorify you with the resources that you've been given. And so we need to do it because the enemy would rather have us not talk about it. This is what 1 Peter 5, 
teaches. Um, and this is what Peter's teaching here. It says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Here's what the, here's what the devil does. He goes after your most vulnerable spot. And man, just gets you to question the teachings of, of Jesus when, when you are just trying to take a step. That's what he did to Eve in Genesis 3. He says, certainly, certainly God didn't say you can't eat from the tree. And so you, you, you see how she begins to question what God said to her and steps into the seat of God, rebels against God in that moment. He's gonna go after this, but, and this is such a big vulnerability for especially Americans. We have all this resource, all of this money that God's blessed us with. He's given us all of it. We need to learn how to be rich, and we need to learn how to stay alert against some of the temptations we might have. And so we need to talk about it. And lastly, we need to talk about it, number five, because we are stewarding someone else's money. We're stewarding someone else's money. This is what, uh, and this is the thing, is a lot of times you say, well, we need to, we struggle with, with understanding this because we believe it's our money. I would say that's the biggest, like that's the biggest challenge that we might have, is we believe this is our money and Jesus is teaching us what to do with our money. But I promise that if you were to start with trust, your first thing that you're gonna realize is that none of it's yours, that it's all his. That he's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills like the scriptures teach us. That he's the one that gives and, and, and allows us to manage this stuff. Look at this is what Deuteronomy 8 teaches when it comes to this. It says, he fed you with manna in the wilderness of food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Look at what Paul teaches in Romans 11, says the same thing. It says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. How many, how many we believe that, right? Like, we get that. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. And is that true of your money? If all things are intended for his glory, that's what Jesus says, when we give him the glory, we get joy. So there's a story of, of, a, of a young ruler. He's, a, he's kind, of, kind of found himself in a spot got some influence, got some, some stuff to, to do. And, and often with, with seasons of influence and seasons of growth, sometimes you get seasons of resources too. And did that follow that? And you realize, man, I, I got some more money and I, I, I'm starting to really see some things take place in my life. And, and, and he shows up to, to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus kind of starts going down some of the, some of the normal things. He's like, oh, don't kill anybody and hey, you know, make sure you love other people and that sort of thing. And he goes, oh man, all right, I got that. I got that. I, I can do that. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, there's one thing. I want, you to sell all the, I want you to sell all you have, all your possessions, and I want you to give it away to the poor. And Matthew 19, 22 says that he 
left saddened because he had many possessions. How often do we leave his presence because we have so many possessions? Again, whether we think we do or not, but how often do we say, hey, Jesus, you, you got 90% of me. You got 90%. That's good. I mean, that would have gotten me through high school a little bit better than I did. And what Jesus is always inviting us into, he's saying, no, no, I, I don't just want the little things that you give me. I want your heart. And when your heart is changed by Christ, you will begin to see your money differently, your relationships differently, and all the things that you do, your work differently, the people that you can't stand, all of a sudden there's hope there. And there's all these changes that take place. And sometimes, and I, I, I just believe this to be true for some people in this room right now, that you have not seen something break free in your life because there's some part of your life that hasn't been given over to God. And you've been trying and trying and trying over the course of your life that this, 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 whole, this whole realm of your life, you, I just scared to death to let anyone else do anything with it. And you have a good dad that's literally sitting there and he's saying, hey man, let me do this. This will change your life. Let me have this one too. You trusted me with your kids. You trusted me with your jobs. You've trusted me with your house. You've trusted me with where, you've trusted me with everything so far. You've trusted me with your health. You've trusted me with everything. Give me a shot. Give me a shot. And the question is this, who do we trust? It's not about how awesome at budgeting you are. It's not about how many resources you have in the bank. My word, it's not about your, 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 it's not about your investments. It has nothing to do about that. At the end of the day, for a follower of Jesus, as he makes, his heaven, makes heaven come to earth, he's asking the question, who is your God? Is it me or is it you? And at the end of the day, your bank account is going to tell you the answer to that question. And you have a good dad that's not sitting down, hang, like looking over you because you didn't put your seat money down this week. He's asking and begging for your heart. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And he wants your heart. And I believe if you trust him, even with this extremely intimate part of your life, that you, you will begin to see that he's worthy of even this one.